Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics Playground Podcast Sessions. You've had an extra word in there, Dave. There's a little bit of um, flight je ne sais quoi. Keep it interesting. That's our audio experience, guys, and we've, uh, we've got a special treat for you this week. We have um, the, the legend, the man mountain. Bro Barrier. Bro Barrier, the chieftain. Uh, Ross Edgley joined us pretty much for, for an afternoon and which extended into an evening. Late night rib eating competition. Yeah, so we filmed some content together. We talked all things calisthenics and training and how it crosses over with, with his interest in, in endurance swimming. And then over, or well, just before we sat down to a plate full of ribs, um, we actually managed to get about an hour's <laughs> worth of his brain. And there's loads of stuff in this. We talked literally across a broad spectrum of things in the, around fitness and training calisthenics and then there's some of the stuff that he's done before and really enlightening and I think there's absolute some gold mixed into this and surprisingly so he actually brought up his book yes um, you were, <laughs> it's you, available after listening to this you may or may not know that he's got a book <laughs> yeah. so just, we'll leave that for you to decide yourself guys sit back enjoy Ross Edgley yeah. on the School of Calisthenics Playground Sessions Okay, welcome back to the scorecast. It is Tim Jack, and we have a special guest, Ross Edgley, with us. And before we sit down to eat a massive rack of ribs, courtesy of, um, I guess, today's podcast spot, our first ever podcast sponsor, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. athlete. I don't know. Yeah, they don't know. <laughs> but they've given us such a good product. We've attributed yeah. and dedicated our podcast this evening and YouTube Q&A to athletes so we'll, uh, we'll put some details up for them because they've hooked us up we'll, if you if you look we'll post some photos because there is a there is a, there's a significant amount of beef which is going to get eaten <laughs> around the table in about like an you hour you killed the dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what has ribs like that I'm excited um, and now I'm sure every single person watching this will know exactly what Ross uh, some of the incredible things he's done the journey he's been on as, a, as an athlete adventurer as you call yourself now um, but is, there, f- is there anybody else in the world who names themselves as an athlete adventurer is that is that, is that I, Peyton coin Coffrey's I don't know yeah I, I think it's a bit weird yeah, I, yeah trademark that do you think I should yeah, I like 100%. it right, before, the, before this goes out <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's weird isn't it there's kind of a you know a hybrid you know I'm not an adventurer I always say that there's not going to be mountains named after me, but equally I'm not. I'm not gonna see you know be at the Olympics. Challenge you and Bear Grylls have a fight. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd put money on him. He's a badass. He's got knife you skills. Eat it. Yeah, I'd be like, it is ribs. He's actually ex special forces. <laughs> exactly. What's in his arm? What am I gonna do with my Loughborough degree? Sit on him. But but for the one person watching that might not know who Ross Edgley is, in like what in give us the like the fast version of like your journey you yeah. know particularly through fitness and whatnot to get to this point yeah so so like real short it was just kind of uh, I used to sort of swim and, and, and play water polo internationally but built like a hobbit so a five foot nine you know my coach was like Ross you know you need to grow or find another sport so what sort of age were you when you were doing that so yeah so, so I was playing internationally in the men's squad at 16 and, and I'm just I'm still waiting for my growth spurt now you know? and, the, and the, uh, the call up <laughs> exactly <laughs> to the Exactly. So your arms weren't that big when you were 16. <laughs> so I never got the call up and I never grew. Uh, so I ended up studying sports science. <laughs> he just went out. <laughs> so I just became very round. And uh, yeah, studied sports science, uh, Loughborough University, and, and kind of really became fascinated with how you could manipulate your physiology. Kind of very similar to you guys, you know, sports background, but then you wanted to look at the the systematic strength and conditioning of the human body, like human optimization, mm. basically. And then uh, I started doing that, but then I just kind of got a little bit bored with conventional sport. So then I ended up, you know, as you guys know, I ran a marathon, pulling a car, uh, climbed a rope, uh, the height of Everest. Uh, and, and then it's just, it keeps getting weirder every year. And then so last year, well, swam, I was going to swim from Martinique, St. Lucia, which is 40 kilometers, towing a 100-pound tree. The currents were so bad, and I couldn't find the beach that I ended up swimming 100 kilometers with a 100-pound tree, and I still couldn't find the beach. Uh, but I found out a lot about the human body in the process. So that's, that's kind of it, and that's why I always say athlete adventurer, because it's you're not just an adventurer, but you're also exploring your body does that yeah, sound yeah. a bit weird no, no, a bit weird. Weird. no we, do, we do a lot of body exploration like we're, we're the same sort of thing in terms of the calisthenics it's like 
oh, what can I do? Like, what am I going to do to be able to achieve that? Like, you're, you have a penchant for ridiculous endurance events, <laughs> but Jack and I are less so. Um, but I think there's the process of exploration, of understanding of like, actually, I want to do something which I don't know if I can do, but I want to go through the process to understand yeah. how. And along that way, you go, actually, not that it's not hard, but you just enjoy that. For me, I enjoy the, the problem-solving nature of it. Yeah. And I think ours, we get quite geeky about like lever lengths and yeah. weight distribution, that sort of stuff. I think yours is probably more around like understanding the, the psychology and the the, the, um, the conditioning component. And yeah. like uh, some of the stuff that I've seen you, 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 you talked about and you've done, like right back, some of the things I'm quite interested in going back to the beginning is like you've traveled to some quite interesting places and how those sorts of things came about. You've spent time with, with some really interesting people and a lot of that's, that knowledge has kind of shaped how you think. So there's that side of stuff that I think is, is, is shapes you as, as an athlete adventurer, but then also, like, I see you crawling across mudflats because you, like, one, it makes good content, right? <laughs> but two, like, you're doing that because you're you're exploring the, some of the most brutal ways in which you can develop mental toughness to yeah. then give you the skills that you need to go and achieve yeah. these incredible feats of yeah. athleticism. That's such a good point because I think uh, for, for so long sports science felt that your physiology was the limiting factor. So we'd look at you and go, right, let's take you know a marathon for instance. It would be like, right, we are going to monitor what your potential marathon time will be. We'll look at lactic threshold, VO2, power to weight ratio, all of these sorts of things. Running biomechanics, everything. Yeah. And at the end we'll go, right, okay, cool. Tim, you can run, you know, three hours you know mm. sub two hours you know you know world record boom. <laughs> um you know you are physically capable bang but that was always looking at physiology and then what i found really interesting tim noakes and the central governor theory but there's been a lot of research on it was saying that fatigue is an emotionally driven state that basically gets you to kind of like pull the handbrake a little bit because it's going whoa whoa this is horrible you know don't do don't do yourself damage mm. and we'd have all experienced this if you have run a marathon or you know even like 10k or anything like that you'll all know that there becomes a point where um, you're like, oh my God, I can't go on. This is horrible. This is absolutely killing me. But, you know, when you get to the finish line and all of a sudden your family's there and, you know, your kid's cheering you on. and you know, Exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, you are Usain Bolt. Your biomechanics change. You know, you are upright. You know, your cadence all of a sudden just... And, and it's like, well, where did that come from? And it's because your brain was telling you, whoa, hold up, hold up, you know. And it was just, it's self-preservation. You know, your brain is telling your body, oh, oh, this is horrible, don't go on. And what's amazing is I found when you look at people like Emil Zatopek, so widely considered to be the greatest endurance athlete ever, uh, winning two gold medals, one Olympics, Helsinki, I think it was, never ran a marathon before. Um, so I think it was the 10,000 he'd already ran. And he, I do a terrible check, uh, accent so I apologise for any of your Czech listeners but he, he was like look, he goes look I, it turns to his coach he goes I want to run marathon and they were like but you've never run a marathon before but he came from a military background mm. and he was just like no but I know how to run mm -hmm. and I know how to just like be comfortable in the hurt locker and they were like well what do you propose do you do and he goes look he goes show me who is going to win and the favourite and I will sit on his shoulder and I will overtake him at the end it's simple <laughs> and they were just like but you've never but okay. yeah and they were like alright fine and that's exactly what he did it was a British guy he sat on his shoulder and it's amazing awesome British guy. Oh, it was, it's, and it was amazing I forget his name now it's going to annoy me but the British guy he's, he's, you know, he's old now and there was this, this video and he was looking back talking about Emil Zatopek and he was very very sort of English gentleman and he said uh, he goes I never forget he goes I was running and I was you know really struggling and Emil Zatopek came up on my shoulder and uh, he said uh he goes, I, I have never run marathon before. <laughs> uh, this is at the Olympic oh, Games. Really? Yeah. 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 And he goes, I, so I don't know. He goes, is this, is this good? Is it too slow? And, I, and the English guy goes, I thought you, you bugger. Said, uh, I'm going to stitch you up here. So he said, uh, so I turned to him and I said, oh, no, you know, Emil, this is far too slow. You know, they're going to catch us behind. And with that, Emil Zatopek turned to him and he goes, okay, no problem. I see you at finish. <laughs> and he did. And he, Emil Zatopek went on and run and, and won it. But it was because of his military background. And, and Emil Zatopek was also known for pioneering interval training. So he used to run 100, 400 meter sprints. 
Yeah, so when you next think about hill sprints and everything, think of Emil Zatopek and just taking it to that level. Um, his wife was a renowned javelin thrower as well, and one of their favourite workouts that they used to do for fun, she would launch a javelin, and he, like a dog, would run and go and catch it <laughs> and hand it back to her. Really? That was for fun. He used to run in military boots. So, like, in terms of, like, biomechanics and understanding forefoot placement, heel striking, everything like that, he used to just run in military boots. Mm. So the one thing about Emil Zatopek, and I think this is one thing that, that I try and do is he just understood how to hurt and be comfortable and I think if you can do that it doesn't matter what your sport you know you trying to break a world record for a handstand are you trying to hold a you know the human flag for the longest hour are you running a marathon are you doing an ultra marathon are you doing an Ironman doesn't matter if you know how to hurt and just get comfortable being uncomfortable you know you, you can yeah. potentially win at any sport yeah, there's a lot in that like what we talk about redefining your impossible like a lot of the things that you're trying to do people will say is impossible and your body shouldn't be able mm. to do it and I'm still looking at your arms now going how are they that big when all he does <laughs> is like swim <laughs> <laughs> but we work, we work but, in swimming and have done for quite a, a, a number of years and I, I know the sets that the guys do and they're, they're not yeah. trying to swim the distances you're trying to swim but I, I know a guy who was a 1500 meters swimmer Graham Smith who, who won a medal in Atlanta um, and he he, his total volume for a week would be sort of like maybe a, I don't know they were doing 10k maybe pushing up towards 100 like you're pushing volume similar to what the guys would be to go and swim 1500 meters at the yeah. at the Olympics yeah. and like our guys would maybe go and do a week and they might they'll, they'll hit half the volume yeah. that, you're, that you're training yeah um, but they're training for 400 meters so you then start to argue about specificity and that sort of stuff but still like the amount of volume that you're able to pack in yeah is impressive yeah what um, was the first one was it was it the carpool was that the first it was one? yeah and I, and I think so what inspired that well, essentially, work capacity. So, so you know, within within the book, um, coming out 10th of May. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you got a copy? Oh, so, so glad you asked. <laughs> no. So within the book, um, yeah. we were talking about this earlier, that, that I do systematically identify laws that every athlete should do. And one is, is the law of more. So work capacity, your body's ability to perform and positively tolerate training of a given intensity and duration. And it doesn't matter if that is, you know, marathon training, powerlifting, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, your body's ability to just go, yeah, you know, I can cope with that and positively adapt. You know, if we all, again, were training for an ultramarathon, a 100-mile ultramarathon, and we had a month to do it, and we all set off and ran a marathon tomorrow just to give us a good start, you know, some of us would just be on the sofa afterwards mm. going, what was that? I'm in pieces. And other people would be like, I hurt, but I can recover and, and, and go again. And I think... Um, yeah, this this idea of work capacity and, and the law of more is just, you know, your your body's ability to, you know, perform but but positively tolerate it. But looking at ways to do that, it's not just about throwing stimuli at the body. And one thing that, that I've always found is with swimming, with the world's strongest marathon, it's looking at something of like work capacity and crazy volume, yeah. but it's actually a lot of concentric contractions. So if you think of swimming for the yeah. lats, for the arm pull, it's all a concentric contraction. There's nothing eccentric. It's not like mm, when yeah. you're running, yeah. if you're running downhill and your yeah, quads and no your hamstrings. reaction force or anything. Yeah. Exactly. And it's exactly the same with sled drags. You know, it's all concentric contractions. And, a, and pulling a car is just a very large sled drag yeah, yeah. so after 26.2 miles of pulling a 1.4 ton car everyone was like oh you must have been in pieces afterwards and it was like no because it was all concentric contractions mm. and because i developed over those those 10 weeks uh, a way of training that i was absolutely so fine. you trained 10 weeks for that yeah and then and then the day after just ran a half marathon as well just to mm. sort of out of my own curiosity just was like, yeah I was like oh no my legs still work and I think it's the same with, with swimming that yes it is a lot of volume and when people go that's crazy I'm like yeah but it, it would be very different if I was running it you know I'm sort of 95 yeah. kilos built like a hobbit if I'm running downhill my legs you know just that eccentric contraction mm. the, the impact yeah. you know going for each foot you, you put about three times your own body weight for each foot so going downhill yeah. it's just like you know, on a big descent, that's like doing, yeah. you know, 200 eccentric squats. Yeah. And that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. But with swimming, especially long distance, it's all aerobic. 
You know, I'm never out of breath. It's all concentric contractions. So looking at something like training for three hours and smashing, you know, sort of 15K, people go, whoa, that's crazy. I'm like, but when you actually look at the science of that 15K, yeah. low impact, non-weight mm. bearing, concentric, all aerobic. Yeah. I've got a thing about swimming that I've been interested from a mindset perspective. Like I, I quite, I've never done a lot of swimming. And then when I started working with the with the Paralympic team, I um we were on a training camp, so there's obviously fifty meter there's a, there's a long course fifty meter swimming pools there, and I was like I'm going to start swimming because I don't really know what these guys are going through, mm. and I'm not conditioned for it at all. And what I found was from like I'm not really the right shape for swimming like you, but I'm just a smaller version, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but like the elite swimmers that I see, that they just don't have a sim they have the same build. But I thought I'm gonna give this a go, but I was so deconditioned for it that I was like, I would swim 25 meters and my lats and my shoulders were in bits. But I kind of pushed through it. My first set was like, I'm gonna do a thousand meters. That is like what I'm gonna aim at. And that was like hard. And then I was, I was training with a girl who actually did a lot of reviews, used to be a very good swimmer. She let's do a kick set. And I literally couldn't kick 25 meters because my hip flexors were in bits. Wow. But you start going, well, actually, like I've never trained like that. My, yeah. my, my sports background was all field-based. Yeah. But you realize how badly conditioned you are for some of these sorts of tasks. But I got better at it. Yeah. But the, I remember like I was, I, I was some long course for the first time, 50 meters. And I was with one of the guys who was the head coach at the time, was, um, was an ex uh, very high level international level swimmer. And I was like, I still did long course today. And he goes, it's... Because it's awful, isn't it? I was like, yeah, I got halfway. And I was like, cracky. <laughs> <laughs> and then I told Cara, my wife, and I was like, oh, I swam long course for the first time. So she goes, did you go tumble to it? I was like, you flipping kidding. Like, I had to have a rest when I got to the end. But it, it made me realise that, and I read at the same time, I was reading a book by um, uh, Chris McDonald, I think I've got the name right, called Natural Born Heroes. And it came oh, up this yeah, idea, yeah, and I wrote yeah, a blog yeah. about it, around hero training. And if I needed to swim for my life, could I? And I was like, no. Like I would drown. Yeah. So having this like this this um, base level of the sorts of things that you're able to do, of like you can do a triathlon, yeah. you can swim, you can pull a car. Like I, I think that having that athletic ability and diversity in your training, yeah. and you can bench press however much you've got strength training in there, yeah. is a, is a is a thing that we can learn a lot from. I, I look at my training and go, I'm missing a massive part of it. And yeah. there's a number of different reasons we can't do everything all the time because of yeah. circumstance. But I do think that, that that you take it to the extreme. Yeah. But what your general sort of person like who's just involved in fitness, having that array or that that foundation of different mm. attributes, and that's something that which you cover in the in your book mm. about actually going back to first principles of fitness. Tell us a bit about it because there's some amazing information in there. Mm. Like, what's the concept behind it, um, and what are you try? What's the big sort of message that you're trying to get across? It, it, it's very similar because I know we all uh, we geek out when we all catch up <laughs> over barbecue ribs, <laughs> but we we it's basically I, I was sitting there going, how could you systematically? train the body the human body so it's i wanted to create almost like a user's guide for the body it's like you're given a body how do you use it and and i know we were talking about this jacko like so many people when they're in the gym you know they'll go in and they'll kind of go oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do bicep curls oh no i forgot to squat across Forgot to do my legs. Oh, cool! You're on the uh, on, on the cross trainer. Yeah, I'll do a bit of cross training there. Air bike, wee. And it's just like on a cellular level, what signal are you trying to send your body yeah. to adapt to? Yeah. This is all over the place. And so it was really to bring some clarity. A lot of what's in the book. I mean, human biology hasn't changed for thousands of years. We've known about this. You know, the laws of thermodynamics. When you start looking at your diet, you know, macronutrients. Everything. It's it's all been there. But no one's ever put it into this, this framework, a cohesive framework. And so with this, I almost say it's like a literary buffet in that like once you read it, you can go, I want to get strong. Brilliant. There's a whole chapter. Andy Bolton, the first guy to deadlift a thousand pounds, helped me write that chapter. Mm. I want to get quick, you know, next month. You know, we were saying have a clear direction. Yeah. Cool. I documented everything that I learned from Linford Christie to Loughborough University and everything. You know, there, there is no better coach really. Mm than someone like Linford Christie. Um, I want to learn about endurance, brilliant. It documents all of my time with the Sam Bushman where we were running in Africa over an ultra marathon a day and then I came back as well and started to learn from a lot of uh, fell runners like my friend James Atherton who's world obstacle racing champion. So it's like you've, you've taken like this melting pot of genius which says I know what we always get on and that's what we throw mm. around. I'm like imagine if you could just create an athlete who understood 
body weight conditioning like you guys, endurance like the Sam Bushman, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and compile that all into a book. And for 10 years, like I said, it's, it's taken me 10 years. I think it was Orwell who said, you know, how dare you sit down and write when you haven't stood up and lived. Mm-hmm. And so that's why people love me. Why is it taking you 10 years? And I'm like, because that's, I mean, it, when I handed it in, it was 200,000 words. And they were like, this is ridiculous. We commissioned you for 70. And I was like, well, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> you know, so we've had to completely, you know, sort of uh, get it down and condense it into this this framework. Um, but, uh, and this is certainly how I, I came to learn about you guys at the very start, that if you, if you imagine a, a pyramid of priority, as I call them, so this hierarchical way to run your body. So it doesn't matter if your goal is strength, speed, stamina, there'll always, always be something at the base of your pyramid that you should start with. Mm. So we were talking about this because, um, you know, for those listening and we've probably seen on videos, Tim possesses an unbelievable handstand push-up. <laughs> it's just obscene. <laughs> so to get strong, it's like, what must you do? But then you were saying that your military press it, it felt a bit weird it felt mm. a bit different so absolutely in terms of that strength pyramid of priority strength is a skill people don't realize yeah. that you have to drill the movement there's no point putting loads of weight on the bar when you're just drilling bad biomechanics if you've got good genetics and raw strength you might be able to muscle your way through certain movements mm. but there'll be a, come a time where you just completely plateau mm. <clears throat> and, and it starts to look at then work capacity so again coming back to the fact that okay if we're designing a program for you and we say right you want to get good on deadlifts cool you know 10 sets of 10 German volume training and then all of a sudden your body's going well what was that it's like well you <laughs> didn't have the work capacity to to tolerate that and then we even covered that today when we were talking about um there will be a point where neurologically you're recruiting all the muscle fibers we would all seen it to put it in sort of simple terms you know those sort of quite lean smaller guys who are insanely strong climbers exactly climbers is the best example you know neurologically they're recruiting all of their muscle fibers you know possible and they are like stupidly strong and then they'll get you know some guys who are huge but not very strong in proportion to how big they are and that's all around their strength deficit and there becomes a point where if you are looking to get stronger if you can honestly say like neurologically i'm using my full potential of my muscles then muscular hypertrophy is is your sort of only other option you need to get bigger it's like almost like you need a bigger engine in your car yeah just as simple as that. And again, I, I think what's nice about the book is is it gets people to think outside of that. It's sort of, you know, hypertrophy is not a, it's not a bad word. You know, boy, it's bodybuilding. Oh, I'm trying to get bigger so I can get stronger yeah. at you know body weight conditioning. That's that's all. It doesn't make me a bodybuilder. Yeah. And we were just talking about this as well. Yeah, okay, people like wants, yeah, wanting labels. I mean, that's probably going to get a little bit <coughs> get a bit bit too deep outside yeah, outside of fitness, like, but. People wanting to like, we almost want a label like I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder or I'm a calisthenics or mm. I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. And now I had when I played rugby, I was like I'm a rugby player. Yeah. And it's like, well, what happens when that's taken away? And that's not the, what's the reason? What's the why behind your training? You're doing what you're doing. It was, you know, one of my first questions I had for you, like why? Like these crazy things you're doing, like why are you doing? Like what's mm. the reason behind it? And it's mm. the same question that the, the, the example you gave in the of someone in the gym going from one thing to the next thing and then I was a squat and, the, yeah. and they don't know they have no why they don't know where they're going yeah like what's the reason for it I remember a guy had um, it reminded me of being uh, when I was at Loughborough uh, 2 training and there was a guy who'd done uh, like a massive chest bench session before the day the day before and then he wanted to come to the gym with us and he was like oh what are you doing like, oh we're doing chest as well he's like yeah, well, I'll do chest as well. It's just like day to day, back to back. Just the the, the why was like the why was because my mates are doing that session. Yeah, and I quite like bench. Yeah, yeah. Not like I'm trying to. He was a rugby player. He was at Harlequins. Like he should have been trying to improve himself uh, physically for the for the for that purpose. But it was sort of lost. And I think a lot of us we all go through that. And I think that as a general sort of, if I'm if I'm just um, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm just like my training and I know it's good for me to work out and, and stay yeah. fit and healthy. Like having, having understanding why are you doing it and what are your sort of goals and it's good to have goals. Like yeah. that can really help sort of not just motivate you, but channel your energy and your time. And, and so you're being effective with your training. You know, on, on the idea of actually, you know, being so easily influenced and jumping yeah. from one thing to the other and understanding like, you know, am I a bodybuilder? Am I a sprinter? And, stuff? and I think that's what's 
so nice about the, the book, it was so heavily influenced by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, who, uh, one of my favourite quotes is, you know, if you teach a man principles, he can create his own methods. And I think there are so many methods out there, diet plans and workouts, that you are expected to to blindly follow, like, you know, to use mm. strength training, you know, German volume training, you know, five by five. And, you know, these are all methods. They're great, but if you learn principles, so as we were talking about, let's stick with, you know, increasing muscle mass. So, you know, the three principles of increasing muscle mass, you know, hypertrophy, mechanical tension, metabolic stress and muscle damage. If you learn those three principles, it doesn't matter about the workout because you understand yeah. how to actually create your yeah. own. I think we, we, we probably frustrate people sometimes because we get a lot of questions. And when you come from an SNC background and you've developed programs, you've always got that goal at the end of so we're working towards something and it's a season long or for us yeah. it's actually four years long is this cycle that we're prepping for. And people are like, should I do this exercise or should I do that or how should I go about training for a handstand? And we're like, well, it depends what you want. And yeah. there's so many times, many times yeah, when you question, just go, well, the answer is, it depends. <laughs> and you feel yeah. bad because you want to give them a really yeah. simple answer. I want to answer, tell you, but the truth yeah, but is, like, it depends. And, yeah. we, and we can't hide that, even though it's frustrating to hear that, probably. Yeah, it's exactly that. So, again, um, you know, the, he was an economist, but one of my favourite authors, um, Nassim Taleb, you know, one of my favourite quotes of his was, um, you know, as humans facing limited knowledge or as resort to prescribed ideas and narratives. And it's so true. He didn't mean that for fitness at all, but it's so true. As humans facing limited knowledge, so when we don't really understand how to train, how to diet, we resort to these prescribed ideas and narratives. So we just want to be told, oh that's the workout I'm doing today yeah. but that's just not how it works it's not <coughs> optimal it, it, you know it will, it will be like a comfort blanket and you'll go like oh yeah you know I'll just follow this diet but you don't understand the principles yeah. so it will come unstuck don't you yeah. think that our access to information today like technology and, and at our fingertips and the, the prevalence of people's voices but also um, the medium in which people have got it's easy for people to communicate has just completely clouded up. there would have been a time back in the day when we didn't have social media and the internet where if you wanted to learn how to get bigger you had to go and go to a library yeah. and get a book and read about it or go and speak to somebody in the gym and you didn't have you yeah. might have one you might have gone to the biggest dude in the gym and gone help me to get bigger or the thinnest person whatever you were training yeah. for the best marathon runner tell me what you've done and that person would take you under the, under the wing and, and to be fair that was probably some of where the bro science started to come from mm. but actually oh, you were indoctrinated or you were following one person's thought mm. process which actually probably yielded quite good results but whereas now you can follow well an unlimited number of different people's yeah. ideas and people have interpreted fitness and their, yeah. their different what their theories are around it so all of a sudden mm. I think it's become a massively complicated thing and that's what we've tried to do with our framework is gone these are the principles that you need to understand if you're going to learn any calisthenics movement so you need to prepare for the session you're going to do you've got to teach yourself the skill component you've got to get specifically strong and you've got to just build that engine of capacity strength mm. it doesn't matter if it's a pistol squat or a muscle up, mm. same principles mm. and then you've just got to be, you've got to be there's a little bit of art in that about which exercises mm. you're going to use and mm. understanding what your body is currently able to do and where your weak links are mm. and that's probably aside from the point of the, the exposure that we've got to a massive amount of information yeah. well, that people get confused and they actually don't know what they're doing because anymore it's that's not, what I love about your book yeah. is you've gone back to first principles of fitness because yeah. it's not because it's not these things aren't black and white like there's more than one way um, to get strong for example yeah. and mm. and in the past before the internet and if you if it's before the internet it's before social media if you were going to read something that was published mm. as a paper it's no one can just write what they want Mm. And it get passed by through to actually going to print. So mm. there's been a uh, there's been a like a consensus that this information is valid, mm. and therefore it's been published in a research paper, for example. Mm. Whereas now I can write a blog, mm. and I can write whatever I want. It could be a load of tosh, but people might believe me. Mm. And it makes it more. It's already confusing without that, and then it just makes it so much more. Yeah. Well, there are confusing. countless examples of people that are putting out information like that, and they sound like they they, they talk the talk, mm. but when actually when 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 you look at it, and we we've, we've benefited from a, a number of years in the game, and you've, you've actually got some context to put that under. Mm. It looks convincing, but you dig into it, and you're like, I don't know, yeah. this is. I'm not sure, and, and and we have to challenge ourselves and go. Well, maybe you're seeing things differently. What can I learn from that? And mm. you are constantly critiquing, as we do with with research papers. Mm. But there are some things that, and that's what I, as I go back to what I like, what you've put in the book, is actually 
nobody in sports science is going to argue. Yeah. And actually, you've gone back and gone, yeah, these are the laws and the principles that we mm. need to follow if you're going to create a physical adaptation with the level of understanding that we currently have about the human body. Yeah. It's not to say that that's not going to change and we can't tweak it. But those things, that, like you say, have been around for a long time. Yeah. They've been tried and tested by athletes in all different endeavours, yeah. sports, recreation, whatever. Just stick to those. And the, and the thing is, like, a lot of the extreme cases, like you're an extreme case of what you would do, but for 99% of people, actually we just need to follow some really simple, basic yeah. principles. And they're all the same. That's what I find as well, that the, the laws that I've identified in the book have been around for thousands of years. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you want to take them to the extreme like me, you know, so the law of more and, 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 and you know, work capacity, it will be exactly the same for a beginner. And we address that in the book. Mm. So I say, if you're a beginner, amazing you know I was like oh my god I'd love to be a beginner again you know because can you remember like every week you'd put on like muscle like you'd you know your oh, bench know would, you know like your your bench press would just go up like you know 5kg you know your rate of improvement was this yeah. you know and we say that you know and then but again, pyramid of priority within the book, like to take strength as an example, you know, as you move up, so you've learned the skill, you have the work capacity, you have the adequate amount of muscle mass, and we start moving up, that's when you can start to look at bands, chains, looking mm. at your rate of force development, mm. and you can start to get real creative with this. But that's at the top of the priority. You know, you, you can't do this until you've got the base of the pyramid set. And it's exactly the same with, with everything. But I love what you said there, Tim, and, and, and that's what I said about the book, that I want to create an army of experts, not followers, mm. because you will be your own best expert. So looking at uh, Eugene Sandow, you know, the father of bodybuilding, if you've uh, if you've ever read um, any of his, his books, it's, it's written in... Sort or ye old English, so it's kind of hard to follow and stuff. But what's amazing, and I've sat through so many pages of it, and that, that's covered in the book, but he believed in just self-empowerment. So there was, and this is, I'm going to butcher it, but he talks about this one point where he says, you know, I, I just often asked, you know, when thy best time to train and, <laughs> you know, and when the moon sets in the sky. And he goes off on one, but basically saying, like, I'm often asked when the best time to train is. And then he starts going off on one, but he's intricately talking about hormones and the circadian rhythm and your body's 24-hour biological mm. clock. Now your circadian rhythm, everything, and physiological, everything like this, and how testosterone is higher in the morning, dips in the We all understand that now, but what Eugene Sandow was talking about, an 18th century strongman, the father of bodybuilding, was still true. It's mm. exactly the same. We've just got nice terms now and we'll apply it and you can mm. say it and sound really clever. But it doesn't mean that, you know, what Eugene was de describing was exactly the same. Yeah. And what I love about the book and what I encourage everybody to do is it, Aristotle, uh, and I, I, he, he basically, um, the, the term is an epistemocrat and it's, it's, he wanted everybody to hold knowledge, including their own, in such kind of, um, suspicion you know so just question everything be a critical thinker and at the end of the book I say you know question this book question me question yourself question everyone because um, that's the only way that you'll you know ask questions you, I bet your best students are those who say like why yeah why am I doing this because you go oh well you know let me tell you why yeah, yeah. and that's what I want from from this book that there are workouts in there there's workouts for every single goal you could ever want to achieve lose fat you know the recipes are amazing you know to build muscle uh, develop speed improve endurance but the reality is once you've read all 320 pages of it you can actually write your own and that's what I want people yeah, to do yeah. I'm like this is here is a workout but please adapt it to your own biological individuality that's what we do all the yeah. time we've always been fighting with our like our, like we'll and you see it with all the graduates and we love we love them when they come through when they've learned the thing that they're working towards the goal they've set themselves they're impossible and uh the, the guides to take people through them, um, some people find it difficult that we haven't actually just gone, oh, on day one you do this, and day two this, and three this, because it's just not realistic, because yeah. we have no, everyone's day one is different, yeah. and everyone progresses at a different rate. So trying to educate people to be able to like, understand, like you say, understand the why and what you're doing, and then be able to write your own program. I think some people think, oh, well, I paid you to write it. Mm. But actually giving you the information to write yours program this one and the next one and for infinity yeah. isn't that worth more than just having one that runs out in yeah. six weeks yeah because what happens on the week number seven yeah what we always yeah. say yeah like if you don't know if you like you say if you haven't got the, the the ability to write your own training program you haven't got the principles you can't create your own methods 
actually you then just become reliant and I think that's part I of the problem I get it I understand why people I are totally like, get it yeah. get a bit frustrated by that yeah. like, but your yeah. tendency is then to, to, to jump around a little bit and actually yeah. I think if you if you if you took if people took a little bit of time to read and, and you've written it really well like anybody could pick that up and read it don't have to be a sports I was even able to read book. it <laughs> not just look at the pictures <laughs> dyslexic day <laughs> But if, if people took the time to, 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 to educate themselves in a way which is, which is easily accessible, you've still got the option to go around and go, which training modality do I like? I like your style. I like what you're trying to teach. Yeah. It might be calisthenics. It might be bodybuilding. It might be powerlifting. Yeah. But when you're in that, you're actually understanding the bigger picture of where yeah. that sits. Mm, yeah. There's one like, thing I just wanted to touch on about he's talking about like 18th century people talking about bodybuilding. I look back at, at, the, at this, the old circus strongman and like we've seen some mm. photos of calisthenics back in like the early 1900s late yeah. 1800s those dudes were That's huge yeah. we've seen pictures of these guys who were probably 15, 16, 17 stone and one guy doing a single arm handstand on top of his other mate who's about 18 stone and the only reason he's on the bottom is because he's a stone lighter than <laughs> <laughs> but he's not a small dude like and we just look at him and we're going like people got strong people were functional and yeah we, we there's, a, there's probably a much bigger context of that but they arguably knew less mm. but did more with it yeah. whereas we know loads yeah. and I think yeah. I, I, I even I, I overcomplicate my training sometimes mm. I don't train hard enough because I'm like oh, I'm doing this complicated thing like, <laughs> yeah. and, I don't, and I don't put enough work in sometimes yeah. to get and then I go oh, I don't change but actually there's two basic principles do work training yeah. intensity challenged by that today aren't you after spending yeah, the day with Ross I've done one set with Ross today I'm like I've wasted 10 years <laughs> why am I not even bigger <laughs> oh yeah that's why he's going to pull you like, to failure five when he said five more we were doing this drop set we were really Tim's face Tim had squeezed out his last rep and Ross went behind him and went five more and he heard this what <laughs> and then collapsed on the floor nice. at that point I was doing handstands on, uh, sorry I was doing push ups on my knees <laughs> so right um, and, and that is again within the book the law of progressive overload yeah. and, and and I detail that and I wrote that entire chapter from the uh, the Royal Marines as well that was just the one thing that the Royal Marines understand is stress and stimuli yeah. you know that you are only going to get fitter stronger quicker it doesn't matter from stress and stimuli 1936 Hans Selye you know he coined that general adaptation syndrome and it's just like it's going to be uncomfortable and I think now you know, it's marketable to say it's easy. This isn't going to hurt. You can mm, vibrate yeah. yourself fitter. <laughs> you know, take yeah, yeah, this yeah. pill. It's easy, you know, stuff. And it's just like... Get the fitter in 30 seconds a day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just delve into the vibrate yourself fitter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is, that is that a different podcast? <laughs> Do you know what? The Royal Marines is like the PTIs. They are foremost experts at stress and stimuli. And it goes back to that. It just goes back to exactly that. That you can, you can, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but unless you apply it with, you know... I I mean, looking at again like Dorian Yates and his high intensity training. If you've ever seen some of the videos, you're like, oh, that's what it takes to grow muscle mass. You know, it's the same. You look at some of the gymnasts we were talking about, you know, Sam Oldham, yeah. you know, a friend of mine, he's just. I remember when I was talking about the pommel horse and, and I was like, oh, so how'd you get good at this? And he was just like, oh, you know, when we were a kid, we would just get on there and they'd put our feet in a bucket, you know, and then we yeah. they'd just leave us for. 20 minutes. I was like, 20 minutes. So when you talk about time under tension <laughs> yeah. and stuff, it's like, they would just leave you in a bucket. And they were like, yeah, just swing in. And it's like, what? Yeah. So for all of the intricacies of let's break down, it's like, no, put your feet in a bucket and spin. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. just... You spend a lot of time from a young age doing it. Yeah, it's exactly that. Ross, I want to touch on um, so one of the sections you put around bodyweight training in the book. So I'm interested how you see it fitting into uh, the bigger picture. And this particular bit that you talk about around mechanical energy, just talk about mechanical energy and then how you see um, bodyweight training being a benefit around that concept and feeding into whatever else it is you want to do from there onwards. Yeah, that's, that is uh, essentially, um, so bodyweight training or, or, or the law of body basics, um, if I can, uh, open the world's fittest book. Um, and uh, sorry for those uh, listening on the podcast, I'll try my very best to kind of uh, sort of, 
paint a picture uh, as you're listening. But if you imagine a, a pyramid of priorities, so this is this goes back to you know your body's user guide, so how you can systematically program your body. Um, and at the very base of this is the law of body basics, which is just calisthenics, bodyweight training. So it, it goes back to um, a, a Soviet Union sporting principle. So you know one of the greatest sporting nations is um, obviously. Uh, possibly using uh, pharmaceutical yeah. uh, ergogenic aids. Um, so moving, but, moving on. <laughs> um, Maybe not. <laughs> but um, worth noting is is a lot of their principles that they were pioneering. So uh, the depth jump, Verkashansky, uh, one of the the probably the, the creator of plyometrics as we know it today, ballistic training, speed training. Um, he came up with the depth jump, and it was very simply if you were to perform a box jump and you were to jump onto the box, he found out that by jumping from another box, so you land, store that kinetic energy, uh, eccentric contraction in the legs would then produce a more powerful concentric contraction. So you'll be able to jump higher afterwards he was the one who actually pioneered that. And this was during a time when, you know, some of the world's best athletes were touching their toes and, you know, swinging their <laughs> arms and doing jumping jacks. And, and everyone was looking at these guys jumping off boxes going, what are the Soviet guys doing? Look at them. And they were jumping further, running faster yeah. than anyone else. Um, so sorry, to come back to that, so me mechanical energy, I state that the, the law of body basics forms the absolute base of this pyramid if you want to... To, to systematically condition your body. You know, how do you become a better physical human? Mm. Um, and all that is, is just, you know, before you specialize in any sport, it doesn't matter if you are an expert, a beginner, male, female, it doesn't matter. You have to understand how to use your body because it's this mechanical energy. And, and it goes back to this Soviet principle of general physical preparedness. Um, so, you know, like I said, at the very base of the pyramid, if, if we were here, I was a Soviet Union coach and I had a, a young Jacko and, and a young Tim, you know, before me, five years old. And, you know, your parents handed them, you know, to me and said, train them to be future Olympians. And I'd be like, look, I don't know if he's, you know, Jacko's going to be big or small or Tim's going to be like quick or good at mm. endurance. So what I'm going to do is teach them body basics, calisthenics, body weight conditioning, general, general physical preparedness. Doesn't matter what term, it's the same thing. I'm going to teach them to run, jump, crawl, pull-ups, mm. press-ups, squat, hit a full lunge, because they'll then develop this proprioception, kinesthetic awareness, they'll understand how to use and move their body to then lay a neurological foundation to specialise later, when we know that Jacko's going to be a beast, and it's like, okay, he's becoming quite big, okay, send him into rugby, oh, you know, Tim, mm. you know, he's going to be an amazing swimmer, you know, whatever yeah, he's going to be, yeah. you know, then we can specialise, but we can only specialise once they've developed, as I said, mechanical energy, proprioception, kinesthetic awareness, general physical preparedness, it doesn't matter what you want to call it, it is the law of body basics, mm. you know, and that's, that's what we stress in the book there. You have to start with that. And, and I think now, I mean, you were touching upon, you know, even even looking at, you know, kids nowadays. Yeah, you know. I don't want to be that like, I can't remember, it's better when we were younger. Cause it, like, it's different. <laughs> I, I just think that I look back and like the old school gyms, when, when I was at infant school even, like we had a rope and we had like the war bars and you would get on them and you would climb up them. And, and I think there's just a certain amount of, you see videos of it of, of like high school PE and gym class and it was just mm. general like I said it's general pre preparation training and they were like swinging on climbing ropes and how many people can climb a rope these days like it's not easy um, and when they were doing that swinging from one ring to another and we would start that as like well that's the foundation of our human flag training is actually be able to single arm active hang and that's this, this foundations of scapular retraction depression and, and shoulder stability and being able to do that and there's some really interesting thing about what happens when you're gripping how that interacts with the shoulder we're going back to these basics of their human natural human movement patterns mm. but they're incorporated in exercise and I, I just think there's that that says a lot for just building that foundation level whereas now I, I don't know a huge amount of what happens in PE at infant school apart from what I hear that actually probably not a huge amount of time dedicated towards mm. it but it's more games based but I think we've probably lost the strength component of it and yeah, we play parts are now yeah. safe aren't they because they don't want people to fall off stuff mm. and so, we did just play like, yeah. and I don't I don't know whether there is less of that now for various different reasons but you know we were we'd go out all all evening and come back for tea and that was you do whatever you want and a lot of that would be messing about and playing about and whether kids now do or 
don't have the opportunity to do that. I remember being we were in a in a queue to get on the ferry last year when I was mm. we I was driving the we had a retreat in um, Morzine and I had to drive mm. uh, to take all the equipment and we sat in the queue for the ferry and like everyone's been bored out of bed and the kids are climbing the walls in the cars and then we just, a few of us like would get out of the car and then actually there was a, a family that had a few kids that there was just like a big pot big bar um, across the road at like hip high. And they were just, they were skinning the cat. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know they were skinning the cat. They were just playing. They were trying to do a muscle point. They were getting right there. They were just automatically, I was looking at the cat. I was like, Kathleen, doing calisthenics. Like, I wanted to go and talk. I wanted to go and coach them and train them. But it was like, no, just let them explore and play. I'm like, no, she's not quite doing it right. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But actually, no, just let them play and explore. They're having fun. Yeah. Um, and I think just giving people the opportunity to do that rather yeah. than, I guess, taking that opportunity. That is away. it. And, and, and in many ways, it happened by accident. Yeah, and, with, and with the world's fittest book, it's just taking sometimes what happened by accident, but making you very aware of it. And they were having mm. fun. Yeah. They were smiling, they were enjoying, they were laughing. Like, yeah. That, and that's a great There's point. There's no one went... Five more reps. <laughs> Slower on the eccentric. That is such a good point. Until, until I stepped in. <laughs> yeah. But it is looking even at adherence. So actual, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of. And this is, you know, for everything that you can put down in theory, what happens in real life is sometimes very different. And, and genuinely, I'm not just saying it, but that's what I love about what you guys do in that, you know, because it is the school of counseling, but you teach people the principles so they're able to actually then go forth and if something happens like you know they've got to take the kids to school and that messes with their program mm. and they didn't manage to do the workout that day it's fine because yeah. they understand the principles they can just rewrite the method and yeah. rewrite the workout plan and it's fine it will still go on yeah. but it's those people and, and you know Ralph Waldo Emerson if, if you only understand principles you'll come unstuck and so those people who go oh god you know I missed today's you know yeah, school of calisthenics you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, you know the, the, the human flag guide I miss one day what do I do do I start on day one and it's just like don't panic I, yeah. I understand and, and genuinely that's what I love about your guides you know once you've read it you're equipped mm. you know so what you do with it is up to you and you yeah. can modify it you know and, it, and, and and that's what's so nice I think when you're just touching on adherence like enjoying what you do like we all just laugh then when we do like when you're laughing when you're smiling when you're enjoying the things that you do like everything else becomes easier adherence to it your motivation to it like in, I don't know how, how much of it you sort of touch on that within the book but if you enjoy what you're doing you're gonna you're gonna be so much more successful or happy yeah. at the end of it I think there's I, one of my things I can take away from today is, is that there's, a, there's an opportunity there to start to yes we can specialise we've taken the bodyweight basics to a, to a more extreme level and not that it's like extreme makes it sound like it's perilous extreme <laughs> we need to do we need to extreme guys <laughs> it's extreme because it's all we do um, but what I think and you're actually much better than this at me than, than me but um, I also need to have some time and creating some space for the other things which I know that I, I enjoy when I get time to do them like so it might be trying to get back into doing a bit of swimming because mm. I like do you know why I like swimming because it was hard mm. and it pushed me to do something which actually made me feel really uncomfortable mm. um, but I knew that swimming was actually really complementary to my calisthenics mm. because if my shoulders were getting tight and stiff I could feel my stroke length decreasing yeah. and actually getting into the water and driving out it's almost like active stretching if I'm not mm. swimming at intensity I'm just mm. driving out nice mm. distance per stroke long stroke lengths and I miss it, and I miss I miss that hurt locker that you were talking about before. Because when we train calisthenics, like we're nearly quite challenged, and we're mentally quite challenged because we have endless frustrations with trying to teach ourselves these different positions and moves and, and whatever else. And it get we hit the plateaus, and you can find yourself in a real kind of uh, frustration around it. But I miss that bit of being put through the yeah. mill like I did when I was playing rugby. Yeah. And I don't create that for myself anymore. And yeah. I think that's something that I, I need to, yeah. to find some way of doing something that I enjoy, that I can adhere to. Mm. And it, it's that thing like I could go to the gym, I could do a class or something, and I could hate it, but I'm sweating. And I've, but I can find that enjoyment in something that I enjoy. Yeah. And then I'm going to do it for longer. Yeah. because it's actually become something which you, yeah. get, you get actually I'm looking forward to doing that and I know I'm going to hurt but I'm going to feel great yeah. when I've finished it I think I've said it before to I think I said it before to Harvey camera guy that like how we train and this isn't any disrespect to how we train now compared to how I train in rugby but I guess it's a bit different because someone else was pushing you because you got a coach and all that sort of thing and you were paid to, to do it um, 
But I used to train so much harder than I do now. Yeah. And like, I'm, not, I'm not now saying this. This isn't BS. I'm not saying it because Ross is sat here with me. But it's literally the, the conversations today have challenged me exactly the same mm. to go like, am I mentally like telling myself like, oh, you can't do too much? And, and, I, and am, I, am I holding myself back? And I'm going to challenge. Mm. I am going to challenge. Mm. I'm definitely. I'm the type of guy that I'll do this now for two days. Yeah. And then I'll forget about it. But I'm going to try and carry it on a bit longer. But I'm training tomorrow morning and I'm going to have a few beast well, I'm of a gonna, session. I'm coming. <laughs> you're so pumped. I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm going to train now. Harvey's coming. I'm just, I'm just going to get. It's so true, this. I, I find something like. I'm going to tag you in. <laughs> Like an air bike or intervals, and you know when you like you think, oh my god, my lungs are on fire. But but honestly, in that moment, like and everybody listening, when you are absolutely on fire, because a few people, when I was you know on that hundred kilometer swim, which was only meant to be forty kilometers, <laughs> and and there was a moment when I was getting stung by jellyfish. You know, I was still pulling the hundred pound tree. I was cramping up. Like the sun was beating down on me. It was in the Caribbean and. And and I simply just asked myself repeatedly, like kilometer after kilometer, and it's you know, not to sound morbid, but I was like, "What's hurting?" Honestly, Ross, like take like I know, oh yeah, it's hurting, but what is actually hurting? I was like, my shoulders are sore. I'm pretty badly sunburned, and I'm like, okay, cool, be honest with yourself. But but is there anything stopping you swimming a hundred meters more? Mm. No, it's just a bit unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. Then swim a hundred more. You know, and sometimes it was actually like going like I don't know. This sounds a bit morbid, but like, are you dying? And my answer would always be like, No, I don't think I'm dying. Yeah, it's like, yeah. then keep going then. What are you doing? Because <laughs> you know, at some point that hurts going to end. Right? Exactly. It's, always, it's one thing. I, Unless I, you I, didn't I, get to the end, you'd have died. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> more for me. <laughs> one of my my favorite tennis player is Rafael Nadal because he just gets in a dogfight and he's like Federer is so graceful. It makes it look like ah. Oh, Tennis, I shall beat you. <laughs> Nadal comes out, and he's passionate and he's fiery, and I, and I love it. But I've seen, I've read a, a report from him before that he he approaches games when he was in his peak. He's like, all I've got to do is outlast you. Like the pain's going to stop, the discomfort is going to stop. I just need to last longer than you can. Yeah. And it's it's a real simple principle. But the other thing that I, I, I watched and, and read the book um, Touching the Void quite a few years ago, this guy that like mountaineering story, and the guys were on K two, I think it was. Um, I might be wrong with that. Actually, most of us were in South America. But, um, he ended up falling into a crevasse. His mate cut the line. He dropped down and he crawled in a crevasse. He couldn't get or broken legs. Couldn't get out. So he just was like sat there for a day or so. And then well, I might as well go down into the abyss. So he just started, I'm going to die anyway. So he starts going down into this crevasse and he actually sees a piece of light that comes through this and he crawls out and he's got two broken legs pretty much and he drags himself down this mountain to survival. And he's literally like, he would set a thing about a rock in front of him and he would crawl by his fingertips, two broken legs, like, in a really bad way. But he pulled himself off the mountain. And you're like, actually... And I, you, you wind that back and it made me think before that you're going... It's almost that thing. Those are the extreme examples. But I remember doing, like, bleep tests and fitness tests when we were training. You drop out and literally, 30 seconds afterwards, I could have done more than that. Yeah. You know it. Yeah, 100%. And you're disappointed because you now lost that opportunity yeah. to go and do that little bit you're more. You're right. I'm, they are extreme examples, but it will happen daily. Yeah. The amount of times, shall I get out of bed right now? Yeah, get out of bed. What's stopping you? You know, yeah. do a workout. Yeah. You know, you call them hammer intervals in that, like, on a, imagine an air bike or hill sprints um, where you'll wait until the final one and then you'll push hard yeah. and then you'll finish. Whereas hammer intervals, and this is one thing the Royal Marine PTIs do better than anyone, is just in the middle of it, they'll just go, go now, go hard, unquestionably go hard. Mm. And you will, but then like, you, and then they'll go, right, and now you've got five more. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh man, I thought that was the last one. It's There's like, some yeah. science around that, but actually setting, setting athletes yeah, up and going, it's five reps. Yeah. And you go, all right, okay, cool, I'm going to do five reps. And then actually, then you see what can you do when you add five more. Yeah. And there's some really, there was actually some research around athletes with cerebral palsy. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, that yeah. stuck into that. Now. So there's so many times you can do that as a coach. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do five. We're going to do five. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to draw this to a close. This conversation, unfortunately, for you guys, I've got one final question. I've got a real question. I can smell the ribs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can do that mental thing pushing when I'm when I'm running like CV. So like I do like park run five k, and I can, I'm, I have that same conversation with myself as I'm going. I'm like going. I can't. Can you not go a bit faster than this, Jacko? Like, I, like exactly like what's hurting compared, you know, and, and all that. I find it much more difficult though if it's like a pull up session or maxing dips or whatever and is there anything 
is there any is there anything that you found like trying to get at like trying to get into that place from when it's strength compared to when it's yeah. more cardio that's a, that, yeah I mean with cardio and stuff so so when you look at strength strength is your body's ability to generate force so quite often you know if you are absolutely wired that is you know, yeah. at capacity. Yes, granted, there are stories of, you know, mums lifting yeah, cars yeah. off their kids' traps. And, you know, so there is that potential that we're not locking into. So for that, you know, it, it just comes from, you know, smelling salts, your friend slapping you on your back, Jacko yes. still not forgiving you. But, <laughs> but there is that. And, and, and it, but it's a very different mindset to, to endurance. And I think that's one thing with all of the best ultramarathon runners I've ever met you know, they're not getting wired. They're not on the start line on smelling salts because they're like, well, this is going to take it. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so it is very, very different. However, if you're training for, you know, muscular hypertrophy and you're using uh, metabolic stress where it is a horrible, mm, disgusting yeah. drop set, you know, ask yourself afterwards. And, yeah, if you could do another set after that one, that wasn't hard enough. I think there's something in calisthenics I was thinking about actually after we left the session today. And what sometimes we're like, like a pull-up set doing one more rep or two more reps is actually harder. If I'm, not, if I'm at fatigue or I'm really afraid you've got lactic acid buildup, like you're just not functioning and actually trying to do another rep of the same thing is actually almost impossible because you're not strong enough. I've, I've yeah. maxed out. Yeah. But then the example we did today, we had handstand push-ups, feet elevated mm. push-ups into yeah. push-ups on the floor, into push-ups on knees. There was, there was four different progressions there with each you could move from one to the next. Yeah. And one thing I think with that, with the pulling sessions, when you're trying to create overload and stress like that, you've got to plan your session a little bit more. So actually, you can go pull ups, but the band's already ready, yeah. and I'm going to drop down from the band from the from then, body weight, yeah. and I'm going to go to the band, and then it might then be that I go horizontal row. But having that structure to your plan and go, actually, the this is how I'm going to move through, and I've created the conditions. I love the Oscar Wilde quote of um, success society. You create the conditions, you get the result, and you then go, actually, I've created the conditions. I've mm-hmm. now facilitated that rather than jumping down from a set yeah. from a pull up and going, oh, it's a bit hard. If I can do any more, mm-hmm. might just have a two minute rest period, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is often what I do. Yeah. <laughs> it is, or, or goes back to you know the law of progressive overload. Doesn't matter. Is it a pull up? Is it not? Can I apply more stress to this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. less rest, more weight eccentric contraction anything can I apply more stress and sometimes for me with swimming at the moment you know I'm like I'm going to do 10k today you know I'm going to do 20k today can I apply more stress Mm. get a tree (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a tree resistance or like the other day in Glasgow you know swimming in in two degree water it was chilly that was the stress what does everyone else in the pool that David Lloyd say when you walk in with the tree (laughs) It's more the picnic of food at the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, no, it's just an eating competition with a bit of swimming. Well, I think, Jacko, what we can take away from today is that we can hold ourselves when we train together accountable for maybe dropping in a session because we've got some quite specific goals that require some. There should be one session. There should be one session where we just do a blitz. Let's say it's tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. um, Yeah, yeah, this isn't now live, is it? But we'll talk on the live about tomorrow morning. A bit of um, what I like is a, um, what is it like? uh, What's the word I'm looking for? When you're like accountability, yes. So I'm going to say it tonight live it on tomorrow. IG. It's going to happen. <laughs> yes. Um, like if you make me do my demonstrations at workshop and everyone's watching is so much better than if I was just training on my own. And you can take your shirt off. Because yeah. <laughs> right. just the expectation of like, yeah, you better do this right. <laughs> they might not. In my head, it's just what I'm telling myself. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, did um, you get a discount from um, all your money back from Thompson Holidays? We didn't read read the meat. <laughs> 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 I didn't. <laughs> company. I'm still the, looking yeah. for the beach. I swear they <laughs> We normally finish our podcast by asking our guests um, what their current impossible is, but I think with Ross, it's almost a wasted question. Unless there is something <laughs> impossible think, for Ross. I know. Is there anything that you particularly look at and you're going, Do you know what? That's a stretch. He couldn't be as skinny as us. <laughs> I, that's his impossible. Yeah, yeah. Four ribs. <laughs> Four I, I sometimes yeah. think that you. I've got stuff in my impossible box. Because, but, but I look at it and go, well, it's only there temporary. Nothing's firmly rooted there anymore, but it's just something mm. I can't do. So if I try and do a single arm pull up at the moment, it's impossible. Yeah. But all I need to do is put a bit of yeah, time and move you can do that it. out. So mm. is there anything that you currently look at and you go, actually, there's a big, audacious, horrible, nasty thing that I want to do? Yeah. It looks like it's impossible, but I'm going to start the process using a great book such as your own to guide <laughs> you to the goal. Yeah, no, so there is there is actually uh, something... Uh, been discuss- is this an exclusive? Well, I, so I'm, I'm not allowed to say it yet. Uh, so, yeah, but, but this thing. No, but I'm going to actually chat to you guys off air because I actually need your advice on this. So genuinely, okay. I can't say it, but you will be 
Well, you will be the first to know about it, but you'll also be the first to, to broadcast it because genuinely I want to do some some really cool stuff. And I'm, I'm not just saying it, but I think, you know, a lot of... I don't know, I'm talking very yeah, cryptic, yeah. but basically a lot like of stuff it. that you've spoke about and what you are actually genuinely pioneering at the moment in terms of, you know, shoulder mobility, strength, mm. prehab and everything like that, I am going to need in in sort of bucket loads and stuff. So, yeah, off air, we'll talk, but on air you will be the first to know what my impossible is. Well, I think I know it's actually you've been able to stand against the wall, you back flapping your arms. <laughs> yeah. and I can dream! I can dream! Lots of, lots of shoulder mobility. It's, it's, there's something there for we could Jack and I can beat him at shoulder mobility. That's how we see it. It's bad, it's bad. Right, you also know how to wrap this up, don't you? The sign-off. I do! Class dismissed. We're going to... You as the guest get to, get to finish this off. So thanks for joining us, guys. It's been a longer, a longer course for us, but we get we don't get the uh, opportunity to pick a, a guy's brain like, like Ross on an everyday occasion. Right, Jack and I could ramble on forever, but having somebody here, we want to give you a little bit more value. So on that note, Jack, have anything to add? Uh, well, just if you are interested in finding out where you can find Ross, if you don't follow him on his on social or you don't. Um, you haven't seen his book yet all the, the, the links will be in the description obviously below so make sure you check him out and give him a follow so until next time class dismissed thanks for listening to this week's podcast if you've enjoyed it guys we'd really appreciate a five star review on iTunes and if you want to put a one star one on that's also fine but we'll just delete it <laughs> until next time class dismissed <laughs>